The Productive Woman, Episode 480. Hello, and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan, and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we're talking about imposter syndrome, originally and perhaps better labeled as the imposter phenomenon. You'll find more information and links to resources mentioned in this episode, all in the show notes for the episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 480. This episode is brought to you by Calm. Are you listening to this show while doing a million things or thinking about your giant to-do list? Well, hey, it's time to tune in. I hope you will take a second to be mindful of how you feel right at this moment. Take a deep breath. What's top of mind? If you're feeling stressed or anxious, I hope you'll keep listening so I can tell you about Calm. I'm just delighted to welcome Calm back as a sponsor this year. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, giving you the power to help calm your mind and change your life. Calm recognizes that everyone faces unique challenges in their daily lives, that mental health needs differ from person to person, and that time for things like meditation may vary. And since self-care practices are so deeply personal, Calm strives to provide content that caters to your specific personal preferences and needs. They have meditations that range from focuses on anxiety and stress, relaxation and focus, to building habits and taking care of your physical well-being. Of course, they have the sleep stories that I talked about so many times with hundreds of titles to choose from, including sleep meditations and calming music that will have you drifting off to dreamland quickly and naturally. You can always find something to listen to that will help you get to sleep in the Calm app. And of course, they also have expert-led talks on topics such as tips for overcoming stress and anxiety, handling grief, improving self-esteem, caring for relationships, and so much more. The Calm app puts the tools you need to feel better in your back pocket. And if you go to calm.com tpw, you can take advantage of a special offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription with new content added every week. So you'll be able to stress less, sleep more, and live better with Calm. Again, for listeners of this podcast, Calm is offering an exclusive offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash tpw. That's calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash tpw for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. Once again, calm.com slash tpw. All right. We have talked a few times in the past about imposter syndrome, those feelings of inadequacy, self-doubt, and fear of being exposed as a fraud despite evidence of success. It's something I've been thinking about lately, so I dug into some recent research and learned a few new things. 
I will try to remember to include links in the show notes to some of the older episodes where we've talked about this. But I thought it was worth looking at again because of its significant impact on our mental health, our career progression, our overall well-being, and of course, our productivity. So what is imposter syndrome? When I was thinking about it in the last week or so, I was kind of contemplating what is the difference between just self-doubt and imposter syndrome. So I did some research to try to understand that difference. And while they're related, I think they're not precisely the same. I mean, all of us experience self-doubt at times, questioning our choices, our skill, our competence. And imposter syndrome has a self-doubt component, but it goes beyond self-doubt and actually is a fear or a belief that we don't deserve our success or our awards or our accolades, the praise that other people give us, um, that when we succeed, it's not because we earned it, but maybe we were in the right place at the right time or because other people helped us or because we were just lucky. Imposter syndrome is about waiting at any moment for somebody to come in and say, all right, we just figured out you don't belong here. You are not as smart as we thought you were or whatever, that you're a fake. And one article I read said it this way, those with imposter syndrome have one or more of the following thoughts. I'm a fake. My accomplishments are due to luck, not talent. And my accomplishments aren't really that great. One journalist in a really interesting New Yorker article that I read described her experience this way. More specific than mere self-doubt, it was a fear of being found out, revealed for what I really was. As I thought about it, it's the feeling that we must wear a mask and hope that no one ever sees behind it. And I wonder if those thoughts feel familiar to you, as they certainly did to me as I was reading these various articles. As we talk about imposter syndrome or, you know, the self-doubt piece of it and, and all of what it means, I think it's important to recognize that it is an internal judgment of yourself. One professional uh, Dr. Jennifer, I think it's C.A. Gee, uh, the Associate Vice Provost at the University of Texas, San Antonio, has said it this way in an article. Imposter syndrome is an internal belief or perception that you are a fraud. It isn't specifically someone telling you that you are a fraud. So it is a self-perception, I guess. Dr. Michelle Gaspar, who is a veterinarian and a psychotherapist, has identified several personality traits that are linked to imposter syndrome, including among them, and I'm quoting her article here, perfectionism, overworking, undermining achievements, fear of failure, and discounting praise. So in other words, when somebody says something nice about you, praises your accomplishments or something that you've done, whether we do it internally or we actually say it out loud, sort of discounting, oh, it was nothing, it was not a big deal, and, and trying to minimize what we've done. She goes on to say, to stave off feelings of imposter syndrome, it's common to put off projects that can't be completed flawlessly or to work hours beyond the end of scheduled shifts. 
Other ways of coping include not learning new skills for fear of not performing at an expert level or deflecting praise with self-deprecation. Uh, and I think that just describes it so well. And I think I, I know that I can relate to that as I read it thinking, yeah, I, I have felt that way. The good news, I think, is that because it is, so to speak, in our minds, that means we can manage it by managing our minds. A belief, of course, is just a thought we keep on thinking, but we don't have to believe everything we think. We are not at the mercy of our thoughts. We can choose what and how to think. Not that it's easy, but it can be done. And we've talked about that before. We, we have the ability to manage our minds, to manage our thinking. Now, all that being said, I think it's really important to recognize that there is more to this than merely thoughts in our minds. There is plenty of evidence that societal factors have contributed heavily to the ubiquity of women's feelings of inadequacy and not belonging in the workplace and elsewhere. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more later. But for now, I wanted to kind of summarize a little bit of what I found in terms of the prevalence of imposter syndrome, particularly among women, because in a way I find it encouraging. There is something um, reassuring to know that I'm not alone in something. And I, I think maybe you feel that way as well. And the statistics and research findings indicate that imposter syndrome disproportionately affects women, especially in male-dominated fields. And interestingly, one of the things I, I learned in my research for this episode was that it especially affects younger women, that actually the generations before me even um, felt less of this thing called imposter syndrome that is felt less like frauds and more like they had to prove themselves in the workplace, for instance. Of course, that was an era where a lot of change was happening and more women were coming into the workplace. And so they were not, uh, they weren't welcome there necessarily. So it, that, that, that experience was very different. But a lot of the, the stuff that I read in preparing for this episode indicated that younger women in particular are really prone to these feelings of self-doubt and inadequacy and so on. So the concept of imposter syndrome, which was originally labeled the imposter phenomenon, was developed by psychologists back in 1978 based on their research, which focused on high-achieving women who believe themselves less intelligent and fooling others into thinking otherwise, regardless of their academic and professional accomplishments. Uh, this is from an article called imposter syndrome predominantly affects women, here's how we can overcome it. So this was back in 1978, which, small little bit of trivia, that's the year I graduated from high school. But in any event, subsequent studies after that have confirmed these findings that although both women and men experience what we call imposter syndrome, it is much more prevalent in women, including, in particular, high-achieving women 
who most of us would look at and, and view as very confident and very accomplished, but they are disproportionately experiencing these feelings of being a fraud and being uh, incompetent or inadequate. One article I read cited statistics that as many as one-third of American workers reported that the statement, I often doubt my professional abilities or achievements, described them somewhat or very well. Uh, the article said, this feeling is especially common among young women age 18 to 29. 43% of that cohort report that this statement describes them well. This statement, I often doubt my professional abilities or achievements. So 43% of the women in that age group between 18 and 29 report that this statement describes them well compared to 36% of young men. So men that same age are, are not experiencing these doubts as often as the women. The same article noted that more than half, 55% of young women report that they have felt that they are not good at their job at least once or twice in the week before the study was done. Uh, the, the article noted that their male peers struggle with imposter syndrome as well, but not quite as much. Less than half, only 46% of young men reported that same feeling. Uh, further, the article noted that women with college degrees are actually more likely to report feeling they're not good at their jobs than women with less education. So getting more education is not the cure for this. And there's lots of, of studies that say uh, accomplishing great things and, and great success doesn't sort of cure it either. A study conducted by global professional services firm KPMG found that 75% of executive women across industries report having experienced imposter syndrome. So it's prevalent, it's out there, uh, and it's more prevalent among women and particularly younger women. Societal and cultural factors, though, contribute to this in women. One recent article in Entrepreneur acknowledges how societal and corporate environments can actually exacerbate women's innate self-doubt. All human beings, except maybe sociopaths, I don't know, uh, experience self-doubt at times. They question their ability. They question whether their choices were right. Um, all of us do. This article cited various studies that point out that the environment we are in can actually exacerbate that in women and sort of boost it up into this thing called imposter syndrome of feeling like a fraud and fearing that we're going to be discovered in any moment. The article said imposter syndrome affects everyone. At some point, an estimated 70% of people feel like imposters. They feel like they're frauds. They feel like they're, they're not really what people think they are. Uh, the article says, but for women, the burden is heavier to bear. Not only do they suffer the self-imposed doubt of feeling like an imposter, but societal forces and stereotypes can often cause others to second-guess their abilities, compounding and reinforcing those negative self-beliefs. So when we are questioning our ability anyway, a sort of normal feeling, especially when you're going into something new, which I think that 
maybe explain some of why it's so particularly uh, prevalent in younger women because they're maybe coming out of college into a new job for the first time and they're going to have those self-doubts. And this entrepreneur article points out that sometimes the culture, the environment just grabs onto those feelings of self-doubt and magnifies them as other people question their work or question their conclusions or those sorts of things. The article goes on to say that often imposter syndrome is an internal experience of intellectual or professional inadequacy, self-doubt resulting in anxiety and a fear of being found out to be a fraud. For women, this article says, the biases and stereotypes in the workplace can foster and exacerbate those feelings of not belonging. Uh, And I think particularly for women who are in male-dominated fields where they're the only woman in the room or one of very few, um, you know, that, that can add to that feeling of, I don't belong here. And the way people react to them can magnify that. And those feelings or those factors have been found to actually interfere with women's professional advancement and success because they appear to affect women's attempts to advance. This article in Entrepreneur cited studies that found, for example, that men apply to jobs when they only meet about 60% of the qualifications, while women tend to apply only if they meet 100% of the qualifications. Uh, And this was based on um, some statistics provided by LinkedIn, which is the the professional sort of networking, social media type of thing, where there are often jobs posted that people can look at and apply for. And what they are finding is men will, you know, if they satisfy about 60% of the requirements, they're going to go for it, while women tend to apply not across the board, but tend to apply only if they meet absolutely 100% of the listed qualifications. And those LinkedIn statistics also showed that while men and women view the same number of job postings on LinkedIn and express similar levels of interest in them, women are 16% less likely to apply for them. And uh, this has been attributed by you know some researchers and thinkers to this imposter syndrome, uh, the thinking that goes behind that kind of prevents women from trying to get a job or advance in their position. Women who experience imposter syndrome, according to one article, tend to work long hours to try to prove themselves, are afraid to ask questions or ask for help, and may avoid speaking up or asking for challenging jobs. They also have more anxiety, stress, and burnout, and they spend more time trying to focus on a challenging project because their self-talk is so negative that impairs them. So that's the impact on our our success and our productivity, our ability to focus and get jobs done, of course, is going to be affected by the anxiety, the stress. If we are working very hard and working long hours trying to prove ourselves and, and you know keep up the charade as we see it in our heads, that's going to affect every aspect of our lives. I would note, too, that Though most of the studies that I've seen and the articles that I've read talk about imposter syndrome in the workplace, 
I think it's really important to acknowledge that women can experience this in other areas of life as well, including entrepreneurial endeavors, community and political activities, even motherhood. I mean, how many of us have felt at various times, I'm not a good mother, I'm not good at this, I'm not a good Christian, for instance. I've heard people talk about this in the church context. Everybody else seems to have it figured out. I'm not doing as well. I've got to keep the mask up so they won't know. That's where imposter syndrome kind of comes into play in places even outside the workplace. So what can we do about it? There are things we can do to overcome this, uh, to get past the effects of imposter syndrome, and I think it starts with self-awareness. And a lot of the materials that I read recommend self-awareness type exercises that can help us recognize those imposter feelings when they arise and then implement strategies to document them and counteract them. In other words, when you notice yourself thinking those thoughts of, I'm an imposter, I'm a fraud, fact check them. Sherry Baranek, I believe is how you pronounce her name. Uh, she's the CEO of Clearfield, a major corporation. She has suggested in an article that she wrote a couple of exercises as being useful for combating feelings of what she called imposterdom. And three of them I thought were particularly useful. I, I am linking to uh, all of these articles in the show notes for this episode in case you want to check them out. And this one, of course, will be there if you want to see all the various exercises that she uses herself and recommends. One of them she calls the bra technique. As she says, when feelings of imposterdom strike, I remember the acronym BRA, B-R-A, and follow three steps. Breathe, relax, and allow. She says, first I breathe, which lets me relax, making it easier to allow the world to go on. And she says this technique helps us to be more present and better equipped to listen and understand the realities of whatever situation we're in. So using that technique when when we're, you know, say at work and feeling kind of, I don't know, paralyzed by this imposter, these these feelings of being an imposter, stopping and using this technique of pausing, breathing, relaxing and allowing things to to kind of go <laughs> go past us and and be there and watch and and be present. The second one she recommends uh, she calls it a personal review and the purpose of it is as she puts it to root out the cause of the imposter syndrome. So asking yourself questions, what am I doing? What are my ambitions and what makes me capable of achieving them? Searching, she says, for the exact source of those feelings of inadequacy and then assessing the reality of those feelings can help us come up with strategies to combat them. And the, her third exercise is to challenge negative self-talk with evidence, put our brains to work, uh, examining the truth of the thing. This is what I referred to earlier as fact-checking those thoughts of being an imposter don't be afraid, she says, of examining weakness. Are there areas for improvement? Then take action to learn more and reduce and eliminate that fear of not being competent. Uh, she says, does the evidence 
show that you are capable. Look at the facts of what you're able to do and what you've been able to accomplish. And instead of dismissing it as luck, use that as evidence to show that you are capable of of doing the things you want to do. And then she says, move on with confidence. Recognize and accept what you don't know as an opportunity for continual learning to replace self-doubt with self-belief. And I really thought those were some great exercises for each of us to do when we are feeling those those feelings of strong doubt, uh, you know, doubting our abilities, doubting whether we belong, uh, feeling like a fraud. Using some of these can really help us to uh, identify the sources of those feelings, examine them, compare them to the truth of the situation and then move forward with strategies to improve our confidence through growing our skill, increasing our knowledge, and so on. And additionally, um, journaling about these things and then setting realistic goals for actions that you can actually take to address them can be an important part of boosting our confidence and changing our mindset. So that's the first strategy that a lot of the different experts I consulted uh, recommended. The second one is to build a support network of mentors, allies, and peers to help provide perspective and validation. Uh, Research cited in one article I read has found that, and I'm quoting here, having a friend in the workplace is associated with lower feelings of imposter syndrome, especially among women. Less than half that is about 43% in this one study, uh, of women who have a friend or a close friend at their workplace say they have doubted their professional ability at least once in the past week. For women without any friends in the office, nearly 6 in 10, almost 60% of women report feeling that they have doubted their professional ability during the previous week. The same is true of women who say they feel supported by their coworkers. They experience less of this self-doubt and less of this uh, imposter syndrome than the women who don't feel supported by them. The KPMG survey of executive women that I mentioned earlier asked the women in their survey which workplace factors were most valuable to them to help reduce imposter feelings. And 47% of them said having a supportive performance manager would be the most valuable. Another 29% said feeling valued and being rewarded fairly would help them reduce those feelings of being an imposter. 72% of the women surveyed reported looking to the advice of a mentor or a trusted advisor when they doubted their own abilities. So it makes a difference. So building that support network can really help. The third strategy that is like universally recommended for dealing with self-doubt, those feelings of being a fraud, uh, all the components of imposter syndrome, is to celebrate your own achievements. So, for instance, keep a success file to remind yourself of your accomplishments and skills and resist the urge to dismiss them as just luck or, well, it wasn't that big a deal. You know, I was talking with someone very recently about, uh, for instance, in my own case, 
when I was young, I always thought being a lawyer was such a big deal, such an accomplishment, such an achievement, and um, something I could never do. And then later in life, when I did go to law school and graduated from law school and you know, got a, a job as a lawyer and passed the bar and did all those things, I remember at one point thinking, well, if I can do it, it must not be that big a deal. And and that that's the kind of thinking we need to catch ourselves in, I think, and um, take a step back and say, wait a minute. No, it is a big deal. I did this thing. Uh, so keeping that success file and and patting yourself on the back, reminding yourself of what you're capable of. One professional coach in a Forbes article urges us to identify every day at least one little win to help you stay positive. And she says, use sticky notes or reminders to keep those wins fresh. So when you do something, when you accomplish something big or small, write it down, acknowledge it, and remind yourself of it. And in addition to just personally celebrating those achievements and using those as evidence what you've done in the past is evidence of what you can do in the future. But in addition to that, speak up about them. There is tons of research. And of course, I, I've personally observed uh, the truth that women are much less likely than men to sort of toot their own horns and make sure others are aware of their accomplishments and successes. It has been speculated that's part of what drives the fact that women uh, women maybe don't advance as fast as men do because men don't seem to have a problem with announcing, you know, in team meetings or whatever, their accomplishments and the things that they achieve. Women are less likely to speak up because of, I don't know, some maybe misguided idea of what it means to be humble. And so one, one of the strategies for overcoming imposter syndrome is to make sure that you not only personally acknowledge the things you've achieved, but, but speak up about them. A fourth strategy is simply to give yourself grace. And maybe it helps to know that you're not alone. Be compassionate with yourself, just as you would be with a close friend who was struggling with these feelings of inadequacy or not belonging or, or whatever. Uh, give yourself some grace. Know that it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. And I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here in just a minute, because the, the word syndrome, imposter syndrome, sort of has this connotation of being a pathology of being, it's, it means there's something wrong with you if you're feeling this. And everything I've read indicates that that's, that's not what it means. So give yourself some grace, acknowledge or, or, you know, accept the truth that most of us feel this way from time to time. And there are things that we can do to sort of rearrange our thinking uh, so that it doesn't paralyze us and hold us back. Uh, but give yourself some grace in that point. And the next strategy that is recommended is to consider seeking some professional help. When necessary, consult with a therapist or a coach who specializes in career or personal development who can help you develop the awareness and the strategies to address and overcome those feelings of inadequacy and fraud. 
in a fascinating 2023 New Yorker article that I highly recommend, and it will be linked in the show notes. One of the authors of the original 1978 paper that named the imposter syndrome, so to speak, she noted that many of her clients have been healed by group therapy with other women because since, she says, it's easier to believe other women aren't imposters, then we they can bring this recognition of other people's delusion back to themselves. And I thought that was such a great idea. If it's really interfering with your ability to enjoy your work or your life, um, to advance in the way you want to, maybe seeking uh, some some group therapy with other women who are similarly situated can really help you because as this person who was one of the original psychologists uh, that developed this theory, she said that's what many of her clients have done uh, by listening to the conversations of women and, and being able to look at another woman and say, she thinks she's an imposter, but wow, that's crazy. Then you start to have this epiphany of, okay, if she's fooling herself, maybe I'm fooling myself too. So consider that. And finally, acknowledge some of the realities behind the situation. And what do I mean by that? There was an article in the Harvard Business Review in 2021 that has gone viral and has been out there forever that actually challenged some of the findings of the 1978 paper about that identified what we call imposter syndrome. And this 2021 article warns us not to simply dismiss feelings of uncertainty, self-doubt, and especially those feelings of not belonging as being, oh, it's just imposter syndrome without examining the reality of the situation you're in. In other words, if the workplace that you're in, where you're feeling these feelings of, of imposterdom, uh, if that workplace is hostile in some way, even, um, you know, subtly, maybe it's giving some subtle or, or not so subtle signals that you're not competent, that your contributions aren't valuable, that you don't belong, then that's a different thing entirely. And it might be symptomatic of racist or sexist biases in play. As the article says, rather than changing how women feel in the workplace, sometimes the solution is changing how the workplace treats the women in it. And that New Yorker article that I mentioned earlier quotes the authors of that original 1978 paper as saying this. They said that the popularization of their idea as a syndrome had distorted it. Every time I'ms, um, this is, so the article is, is, is talking about these two original authors, one of them, her last name is I'ms. And the article says, every time I'ms hears the phrase imposter syndrome, she told me, she told the author of the article, it lodges in her gut. It's technically incorrect and conceptually misleading. As Clance, who's the other author of the 1978 paper, as, as Clance explained, that the phenomenon is an experience rather than a pathology, and their aim was always to normalize this experience rather than to pathologize it. 
in other words, they were trying to identify this and say, this is, this is normal women. This is what women feel not to, uh, turn it into some sort of mental illness. Um, there are those as, as articulated in the Harvard business review article who see the, the diagnosis, and I'm using air quotes there of imposter syndrome as sort of a diversion from examining the real problem of the societal structures that contribute to or exacerbate women's self-doubt that can, as, as we discussed earlier, impair women's success or, at minimum, impair our ability to enjoy our successes. Um, so that, that being said, as the New Yorker author points out, uh, identifying imposter feelings does not necessitate denying the forces that produce them. So we can look at these feelings, think about ways to overcome them and to minimize them without dismissing the fact that they are created in many cases by the environment that we're in. And so instead of thinking of those feelings as a syndrome, with that implication of it being a pathology or an illness, uh, this author suggests reclaiming the original idea of it as a phenomenon, a description of what she says is a particular texture of interior experience, the fear of being exposed as inadequate. So I guess the point here is that all the evidence that I've seen indicates that experiencing imposter syndrome or the imposter phenomenon, if we want to call it that instead, is very common, but also that it can be addressed and overcome. In addition to managing our own thinking about our competence and our accomplishments, we can continue to engage in dialogue about imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon and its impact on women in the workplace and in our personal lives, and thereby hope to foster a more supportive and inclusive environment that minimizes those feelings that instead of magnifying our sort of natural uh, self-doubt. So those are some of my thoughts. It, it was really fascinating to do more research and, and read some of the more current thinking on this. I'd love to know what you think. Have you had any experiences with imposter syndrome or the imposter phenomenon? And what strategies have helped you in addressing those feelings that it evokes uh, so that you can accomplish the things that matter to you? I'd love to hear from you on that. I'd love to continue this conversation as we can support and encourage each other. As so much of the uh, the research, as I mentioned, is that the more we have a cohort of people around us who, who support and encourage each other, the less we are subject to these feelings. You can share your questions, your thoughts on this topic, uh, your ideas in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 480. That's also where you will find links to every article I mentioned and a few others with some great resources if you're interested. You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, join us there and we could continue the conversation there. Uh, any woman who listens to this podcast is welcome in that group. Be sure you answer the 
you know, the three or four questions so that I know that uh, you really are a, a woman who wants to be a part of that community. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I would love to hear from you. Uh, before we go, remember that for listeners of the Productive Woman podcast, Calm is offering that exclusive offer of 40% off the Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash tpw. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash TPW for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. So check it out at calm.com slash TPW. And thank you so much to Calm for supporting the productive woman and for helping me get to sleep last night. And that, my friends, is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I hope you felt like it was time well spent and that you found something in it that is helpful to you. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Uh, I'm excited about next week's episode. I'll be sharing my conversation with a fascinating guest. At least she was fascinating to me. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.